for joining us again in this video series entitled The Marriage Encounter Project. I'm excited to come to you with session number three, where we're going to be talking about the subject of navigating the drift. It's a commonly known fact that human beings are incapable of walking in straight lines. If you were to go into the woods or and start walking without any sort of visual or auditory cues, you are going to walk in tight circles over a period of time. And scientists have studied this phenomenon and they know that blind human beings or human beings that can't even see their references very far are going to walk in circles, such as in a thick forest or, or perhaps uh, on the sea. People are going to uh, sail in circles. They're going to navigate in circles. And this is really interesting. And scientists are not completely sure as to why this happens. They think it's compounding issues. Perhaps one leg is a little bit shorter than the other, or maybe there's some undulation on the ground or shoes that don't fit perfectly. All these things can make it impossible to walk in a straight line. What's really interesting, though, is that they think there's a whole nother element at play here. Human beings are fluid creatures. You and I are made up mostly of water. And what that means is that our movements are fluid. You can't really predict exactly how you're going to move every single time. That's what makes developing exoskeletons so difficult is that we are not mechanical in our movement. So every Boy Scout knows that if you're going to go on a hike, that you need to take some tools along in the process. And, and land navigation avo to avoid walking in circles, you need a map, you need a compass, and you need some visual aids, you need some waypoints in which to aim at. Not only do you need this, but you need to need these tools and you need to use them often if you want to arrive at your destination. Because if you don't do these things, you're ultimately going to drift off course. You can start out heading in the, in the proper direction, but if you do not use the tools of navigation, you're ultimately going to drift off course. You're going to either walk in circles or you're going to end up somewhere that you do not intend to be. So to prevent this from happening, you have to constantly check for your bearings. That's exactly what happens in our marriage. There is a drifting factor that's going to plague every single marriage if we are not careful. Because by nature, our marriages are going to drift off course. Everyone who gets married starts out with a destination in mind. They want to head towards happily ever after. Couples do a lot of prep work uh, before their marriage in order to end up at that destination. They do a lot of preparation personally. They do a lot of preparation as a couple. And when they get married, they start out on this journey. And the destination is happily ever after for whatever that looks like for each couple. I've never heard a man who is about to get married say, I hope that we get married and then get divorced in 10 years so we can split half of the assets. I've never heard a woman say, I hope that I get married and then we never communicate as a husband and wife and we live our lives in silence and he leaves his underwear on the floor. I have never heard people talk that way. However, as most of us have witnessed and some of us have experienced, our destinations tend to be very difficult to arrive at. We start out our marriage heading in the same direction. As a couple, we have that alignment that we talked about in two sessions ago. We, we have aspirations and dreams, but before long, we start to shift. Before long, many marriages don't look like what the couple had hoped for, and they don't feel like what the couple had hoped for, and they're not accomplishing what they hoped to accomplish. There's disappointment, there's frustration, there's tension. Why? Because somewhere between the starting gate and here, 
we drifted as a husband and wife, and we're not heading in the same direction. Why is that? Well, there are lots of reasons. The uncertainty of life, the, the changes of life, the winds of busyness, the imperfection of two people. All of those things will cause us to miss the destination that we are aiming for. But more importantly than that, I think there's another reason why we drift as husband and wife, and that's because we are fluid people. Not only are there external forces that are trying to push your marriage off course, but they're also the constant internal reality that we as human beings are fluid and we're constantly changing in life. If you have been married for any amount of time, you know that your spouse is not the same person that you married when on your wedding day. You you have both changed a little bit. You, you, you're a completely different people maybe even than you were when you got married. Sooner or later, all marriages are going to drift just even a little bit because of all of these compounding issues. And if we're not careful, we're going to have to completely correct course because we're going to end up in seasons that are dry. We're going to end up in these seasons where there's tension and we don't know why. We're going to end up in these seasons where we don't feel connected to one another. And we're going to end up in these seasons where we're not accomplishing the dreams that God has given us. So here's the reality. We each who are married have to take our bearings. We have to take some time to gain an understanding of where we're at and where we want to end up as a couple. Because if we don't do those things, we're going to end up somewhere that we do not want to be. Countless marriages and countless couples have ended up somewhere they do not want to be because they drifted. And this leads us to a conclusion. If our marriages are going to end up at our proper destination, then we have to use the tools that are available to us in order to stay on track. And there are already tools at your disposal. The, the Bible is your map for life. It, it shows you where you're at and it tells you where you need to go. The, the scriptures are the 30,000 foot view for you as an individual and as a couple. You also have the calling of God on your life, which is, is the destination for your marriage. God has brought you together for a reason and for a purpose. And his purpose and his plan for your life is the destination that you need to aim for as a husband and wife. And then the most important aspect, the most important tool that's inside of your marriage for you to get alignment, for you to avoid the drift is your spouse. Your spouse is the compass inside of your marriage. They, they help point you in the proper direction. Your spouse helps you to know which direction you need to go. In land navigation, you need those tools and you need those tools in your marriage. In your marriage, you need to be reading the word of God together. You need to be praying with your spouse so you know where to... You, you, you know what direction you need to go. But most importantly, you need to be listening to your spouse to get the bearings to know what direction you are heading at the moment. Your spouse is the compass to figure out where you are and what path you need to take. This is very important to understand because you are in this together and you are the ones who have to dictate the course. The reason why this is so difficult is because it requires us to communicate with our spouse to figure out where we are as a couple. I want to read to you two Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 15 says this, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. I also want to read to you Proverbs 18, 2. It says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. This is a very interesting comparison of scripture. The intelligent acquire knowledge and the wise ear seeks knowledge. On the other hand, the fool has no pleasure in understanding, but only in sharing their opinion. So just some observations out of these proverbs. 
you can be a fool with a lot of knowledge. I, I've met a lot of people that have a, a, a high level of intellect, but they're foolish in their actions. Perhaps you've met those kind of people as well. However, you cannot be wise without knowledge. Wisdom is ultimately rooted in knowledge, and, and you can't have knowledge without asking a lot of questions. Notice the subtlety of this proverb. It says, the ear of the wise. Now, let's think about these proverbs and the implication of these proverbs in our marriages. This means as a husband and wife, if we do not want to drift and we want to be wise in our marriage, then I have to constantly be asking a lot of questions and I need to be listening to the knowledge that my spouse is sharing with me. And by doing this, it's allowing my spouse to become the compass inside of our marriage to help us navigate life together so we end up where we want to go. The contrast to this would be the fool. The fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing their opinion is what the proverb says. So if you only care about what you think or what you feel inside of your marriage, then you're ultimately acting foolish. It would be like putting on a blindfold and starting to walk from Oklahoma to New York. You're not going to end up in New York. So so putting all this together, here's what we have to understand. The only guarantee that we're going to have in marriage that we end up where we want to go is to seek knowledge and understanding from our spouse. Otherwise, we're going to drift and end up somewhere we don't want to be. So we need to get good at asking a lot of questions to our spouse in order not to drift. These questions help you get the bearings with your spouse to get where you need to go. If the marriage is good or the marriage is bad, you need to ask questions often in order to stay on course. So what kind of questions should we be asking to ourselves and to our spouse? Well, I want to give you some help today. I want to give you some questions that you can constantly ask one another in order to stay on track. If you've been married for five years or 50 years, these are questions that we should ask often. If the marriage is good or the marriage is bad in this season, these are questions we need to ask often because they help us avoid the drift. There are spiritual questions we need to ask. To avoid the drift, ask the question, how are we continually and practically making God the center of our marriage? Now, why is this question important? Well, I want to read to you a passage of scripture. Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27 says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus speaking. So everyone who hears the words of Jesus and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was its fall. Now, what Jesus is teaching us is that he needs to be the foundation of our lives, but he also needs to be the foundations of our marriage because our marriage is building a house in which we are living in. And Jesus needs to continually and practically be the foundation and the center of our marriage. I truly believe that most marriages in the church drift because of a failure to have God as the center. If if God is the center and the source of our marriage and we're living according to the word of God, we're praying to God, we're growing in Christ, we're trusting and obeying Jesus, then what can possibly come against you? Well, Jesus just gave us the answer out of the scripture. Nothing can come against you. Therefore, you have to have this bearing in your, your, your marriage where you're constantly saying, how is, is Jesus and how is God the center of our marriage? So here's some advice perhaps for you in this area. 
how to keep God the center of your marriage. Dedicate a time to pray together every single day. It doesn't have to be a big prayer, but perhaps just even before you fall asleep at night, pray together. Dedicate a time to sharing the word of God together. Make sure the slant of your heart is towards Jesus at all times and honor God with the posture of your heart. To avoid the drift, ask the question, how are we creating space for our spouse to hear from God separately? Why is this question important? Well, Christ has to be the center of our marriages, but yet we're still two individual people whom God has joined together. And so you have not lost your identity so much as you have gained additional identity of your spouse. Therefore, you need to have personal time in order to connect with the Father God. And it's vital for you to give space to your spouse to connect with God because you are not God. If you do not give your spouse space to connect with God sooner or later, there's going to be a spiritual drift in their life. There's going to be a spiritual deficiency in their life, and they're going to look to you to fill that emotional and that spiritual need. And guess what? You're not going to be able to meet that need because you are not God. So it's important for us to ask our spouses from time to time, do you have the space and time you need to connect with God? Because if you don't, how can I guard that time for you? It doesn't have to be hours on end. It can be a half hour in the morning or in the evening, whatever works in your rhythm and your cycle of life, you need to make that happen so that you don't avoid a spiritual drift individually. To avoid the drift, ask the question, how am I currently growing in Christ to be a blessing to my spouse? Now, why is this question important? Because our call as Christians is to constantly start to become more Christ-like. That's called sanctification. I'm, I'm more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. Now, here's the deal. If you're more like Jesus today than you were yesterday, that means you're going to be a greater blessing to your spouse today. Jesus was a blessing to everyone that he encountered. Everywhere he went, he was a blessing to those people. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to have that same quality in our life. We need to be a blessing to everyone we're around, most importantly, to our spouse. So a healthy marriage is always going to start with a spiritually healthy you. To avoid the drift, ask the question, how are we actively serving God in the areas of our life that he has called us to in this season? Why, why is that question important? Well, I believe it's important because the Bible makes it clear that when, when you get married, you are no longer two, but you are one flesh. We talked about that in session number one. And as I said a moment ago, you're not really losing your identity as much as you're gaining an additional identity. You are now emotionally and spiritually and physically linked, unified, and joined together with your spouse. So as we're serving God, the scripture tells us in Ephesians 2 that, that God laid out a path that we should walk before the foundations of the world. He's laid out good works that we should do, that we should walk in them. So when you get joined together as a husband and wife, I believe based upon scripture that God has a plan and a purpose and a path that you and your spouse are supposed to walk upon. This was a plan and a purpose that he laid before the foundations of the world for you. So the question is, how are you and your spouse walking out that plan and that purpose that God has for you as a couple? This is what I appreciate the most about charity. 
We are a partnership in ministry. That doesn't mean that we don't have our own personal goals and dreams and, and ambitions and endeavors and all of those type of things. Charity has her own job and, and I have mine. But the fact of the matter is we are united in this. And I appreciate that so much because the arc of our life is the same trajectory. And, and God has called us as a couple into ministry. But here's the deal. We're not unique in that calling. God has called you and your spouse together for a reason. And you need to figure out what that is. So those are some spiritual questions that we need to be asking to avoid the spiritual drift inside of our marriage. But there are other questions we need to ask as well. There are the life questions. To avoid the drift, we need to ask the question, what dreams do you have that I can help you accomplish? Why is this question important? Well, this really ties into the previous question beautifully, I believe. God has prepared a work for us together, but at the same time, he's also given us individual desires and dreams, and he's placed those things inside of our hearts. And and God has prepared good works for you and for your spouse. And so by asking this question to your spouse, you are honoring your spouse as an individual that God has created them to be. Ladies, this is where you can really champion your husband. Many men have put their dreams and their ambitions on the back burner to provide for their families financially. And so by going to your husband and saying, what are some dreams that I can help you accomplish in life? It will be like a shot of adrenaline into his arm. Men, there are many ladies in, in, that are listening, that are sitting next to you, your, your wives, who have put careers on hold in order to raise children. And so they have ambitions, they have dreams, they have desires that God has placed inside of them as well. And so by asking them this question, you are facilitating an open door in which you can champion your wife. This is about loving and honoring and mutual submission. And this question elevates each individual's worth inside of the marriage. To avoid the drift, ask the question, what is one way that I can show you love and honor in a new or better way? Why is this question important? Well, this question is important on two levels. My responsibility as a husband is to love my wife in a manner that she can receive. We we talked about the concept of the love languages previously. It's very important for me to constantly show my wife love in a new and better way in which she can receive it. And so by asking this question, what I'm doing is I'm understanding where my spouse is in this moment and in this season so that I can speak their love language to them. Because here's the truth. Sometimes our love languages change from the seasons that we're in. And you want to be in tune with that. You want to be in tune with your spouse. And so by asking this question, you're allowing some freshness, if you will, to come into the marriage. You're allowing yourself to constantly be fresh and in tune with your spouse. To avoid the drift, ask the question, where are we vulnerable right now? Why is this question important? Well, 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 says this, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he falls. No temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when temptation comes, he will provide a way to escape that you may be able to endure it. This question is important because the enemy never sleeps in our life. Make no mistake about it. The devil is real, real, and he's on a war path to destroy your marriage. The enemy's job, his goal, his ambition 
is to destroy everything that God created. And I believe the reason why divorce is so prevalent in our society today is because the very first institution that God established was marriage. Therefore, the enemy would love nothing more than to destroy your marriage. And he's going to attack you where you are most vulnerable. And so to combat this attack in your life and in your marriage, you need to be asking the question, where are we vulnerable at right now? This allows us to have prevention of problems. I I worked for a, a rancher one time who used to have this expression an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And what he means by that is it's easier to avoid a problem than to fix a problem. So ask, where are we vulnerable? Is there a relationship that one or both of us has that could be an issue in our life? Is there tension inside of our home? Have, have we been speaking to one another in love and affection lately, or we've been bickering a lot? Are we spending enough time together? What are the priorities in our life? Those are things that will help you figure out where you're vulnerable at. To avoid the drift, ask the question, when was the last time we tried something new as a couple? Now, why is this question important? Well, new adventures create new memories that lead and create stronger connections. The natural progression of every single relationship will be to a point of stagnation. And I believe that stagnation inside of a marriage equals the death of that marriage. Routine is the enemy of excitement. Now, this is hard for me to say because I am a person who loves routine. I love doing the same things over and over again every single day. I have a routine for almost every area of my life, and I hate when that routine becomes unhinged. However, what I have discovered over the last several years is that when you try new things and you have new adventures inside of your marriage, the marriage gets better and better and better. Why? Because there's more excitement. There are new memories. There is more fun. And that is a good thing for your marriage. New adventures create new memories, which create stronger connections. Now, this is going to require you to plan. This is going to require you to bring your calendars into alignment. This is going to require you to look for new ideas. I'm not telling you you have to travel the world and spend $20,000 to doing it. But what I am saying is you can try a new restaurant or go to a new park or get a cabin in the woods somewhere together. There's a lot of adventures out there if we will just simply look for them. Write a bucket list of adventures together and then start exploring those adventures. To avoid the drift, ask the question, who are we allowing to speak into our life, into our marriage? Now, why is this important? Because the wrong voices will sabotage your marriage. Proverbs 15.2 says, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool pours out folly. The voices you allow into your marriage are vital. The voices you allow into your marriage are going to help start to dictate and direct the course of that marriage. That's why gossiping with the fellas and griping with the fellas is not helpful to your marriage, nor is it honoring to your wife. That's why gossiping and griping with the ladies is not going to be helpful and honoring to your husband. You want to surround yourself with godly men and women who are actively pursuing God and their spouse because those voices are going to encourage you, they're going to inspire you, and they're going to give you ideas on how to better treat your spouse. To avoid the drift, ask the question, how are we creating time every day to connect together? Why is this question important? Well, this is very simple uh, because when you're connecting together every day, it allows you to continue to grow together. 
The reality is this doesn't have to be a long period of time. It doesn't have to be hours on end, but even 15 minutes at the end of every single day is going to help create an opportunity to touch base. And this is where routine really is important. Uh, I believe the less you see of your spouse, the more closed off to your spouse you're going to be and the more tension is ultimately going to be in there. And it's going to give an opportunity for the enemy to weasel in between you. But if you have a routine where you're constantly coming together and you're connecting at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, whatever works best for you, and perhaps even both, it's going to give you an opportunity to grow together. So those are the life questions I think we should be asking. And then there are the, the family questions that we need to ask to avoid drifting. To avoid the drift, ask the question, are we creating enough time for us away from the kids? Why is this question important? Well, your children are only going to be home for a season, but your spouse is going to be there for a lifetime. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that scripture tells us that a man will leave his father and his mother and hold fast or cleave or unite to his wife. Proverbs 26, verse 6 says that we should train up a child in the way that they should go. And Psalms 127, verse 4 says that a child is like an arrow in the hands of a warrior and we're to launch them to their purpose. Here's the point of all this. Everything in Scripture says I am to grow closer to my spouse for the rest of my life. And everything in Scripture indicates and dictates that I'm raising my child to send them towards a purpose. So your kids are going to be in your household for 18 to 20 years of the 50 years that you are married. Your children are there for less than half the time of your total marriage. Therefore, it would be prudent for us to continue to date our spouse, to keep finding time alone for our spouse away from our kids because our spouse is going to be there when the kids have left the home. Do not worry. This is not going to harm your children. In fact, it's going to be a benefit to them. It's going to benefit them because they're going to see an example of a healthy marriage. You and your spouse are going to be more stable, more healthy together, and that's going to benefit the children. The last set of questions we need to ask are the intimacy questions. These are important questions to ask. And to avoid the drift, you need to ask yourself the question, are we both fulfilled in our sex life? Why is this question important? Well, sexual intimacy is vital within the marriage. We're going to have a, a full discussion and conversation on God's design for sexual intimacy in our next session. However, I want to give you a few questions now and a little bit of reference from Scripture. First Corinthians chapter number seven, starting verse number one, it says this. Now, concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Pause. Paul is addressing a church in this letter, and apparently this, this church had written to Paul and said it's not good for for men and women to have sexual intimacy. And Paul's now trying to address this. Starting in verse number two, he says, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps for an agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Paul's saying, look, sexual intimacy is about mutual submission. Your body is not your own. It belongs to the other person. Therefore, do not deprive each other. The question that couples are always going to then ask is this, well, how many times should we be intimate with one another? 
believe it or not, researchers have even tried to track this and they have a very difficult time figuring out what the average couple does and how often they are intimate together. But the national study shows that husbands and wives are intimate with each other around five to seven times per month. Now, according to one study that I read in my research, this 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 doctor, he did a study of 20,000 couples and he found that only 26 percent of couples were being intimate with each other once a week. The majority of the respondents reported only being intimate with each other a couple times a month. Here's what psychologists have figured out. They have discovered that most couples that are more intimate are happier than those who are not. And I think that this lines up with scripture because scripture is saying, do not deprive one another of each other's needs. And there's something about sexual intimacy that forces husbands and wives to come together to be vulnerable and transparent with one another. It forces them to communicate together. It forces them to be together. And I think based upon what you see in scripture, this is a question that we need to ask our husband and our wife constantly. Are we fulfilled in our sexual intimacy? And we need to be honest and transparent with one another so that, as Paul just said in the scripture, the enemy doesn't have an opportunity to tempt us. And the last question I want to give you to avoid the drift is this. How can we cultivate excitement and true intimacy? Why is this question important? Well, intimacy should be familiar. Intimacy should be comfortable and intimacy should be fresh. On in other words, there, there should be some routine to your intimate life. But on the other hand, there shouldn't be routine. It should be familiar, but it should be fresh. When you're actively cultivating excitement and true uh, intimacy with your spouse, you're, you're, you're showing your desires and you're, you're showing each other your needs and you're having an opportunity to reciprocate and to meet those needs and those desires. So sex inside of your home should be familiar, but it also should be fresh because you should be searching for new ways to love one another. So how do we cultivate this excitement? Well, I think, men, you need to ask the questions. How do I connect with my wife on an emotional level? And wives, you should be asking yourself the question, how do I connect with my husband on a physical level? Perhaps you should even have that conversation together because here's what you're saying. I'm, I'm wanting to meet your needs in order for us to have some, some familiarity, but for us to have some freshness. So I want to wrap this up with with a few thoughts. Navigating the terrain with your spouse is one of the most important things you can do. Because if you don't, you're going to start drifting. You do not want to wake up in 10 years and not know who your spouse is. You do not want to wake up in 10 years not accomplishing the things that you set out as a couple to accomplish. You do not want to wake up in 10 years and be somewhere that you don't want to be. You constantly have to be getting your bearings and figuring out where you're at. And let me tell you, it is not too late to start today. Maybe you're listening to me and you've already drifted off course. Now what? What do you do? You start from ground zero. You start asking these questions. You start figuring out where you're at and you start working to get where you need to go. The beautiful thing about navigation is that you're never truly lost. If you can figure out where you are and you can figure out where you want to go, you can always start navigating again. And maybe your marriage has completely drifted off course today. Let me tell you, you're not completely lost. It's not over because when you figure out where you're at and you figure out where you want to go and where you need to go based upon God's word, you can start navigating your way and get there. So 
constantly get your bearings. And here's your homework. Here's what you need to do after this session. You need to sit down and you need to look at this set of questions that I've just asked you and you and your spouse need to pick two or three of those questions and you need to talk. You need to have a conversation. I promise it'll be a blessing to you. Thank you for jumping in this session. We have one more session. We're excited to share with you. Be looking forward to that. God bless.